Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Kreisman. And I'm Ira Kreisman. And on this episode, we continue our conversation on Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, when last we left our heroes? Sure, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, the, the people well, in the story. <laughs> yes, yeah. When last we left our story, uh, we basically just covered the introduction, right? We got this basically a, a cold open where... We see Delita Hyral approach a church out in the middle of nowhere and kidnap a princess just before a retinue of swords or mercenaries, headed up by Gafgarian and including Ramza, who we know from the historian Arislam, who's telling us the story, should be the hero. But so far, we've seen very little. We've seen Delita kidnap the princess. We've seen Ramza express surprise that Delita is, one, alive, and two, fighting under the banner of Duke Goltana. And we don't really know what any of that means yet. We're not really supposed to. This is all just kind of, in fact, it literally is. They've dropped us into the middle of the story for the cold open. And now we've got a lot of questions And then we go to a flashback, and not a flashback like you'll see in most movies or like we've talked about in Final Fantasy VII where we get a little bit of the story and then we go right back to where we were. The next several hours of story are now going to take place inside of this flashback. Yeah, it's an an interesting choice uh, to to start the story, or maybe it's an interesting choice for uh, Professor Arislam here to, to start the history with well, here's the kidnapping of Ovelia, because that is what sparks the war, right? Agrius or Agrius, uh, we talked about last, last episode, was does Goltana mean to start a war? And the answer is, yeah, mm-hmm. that is exactly what he means to do. So this is the event that sparks the war. But in order to know who Ramza is, we need to go back. In order to know who Delita is, we need to go back. We need to see where they started uh, and why they're their friendship, their brotherhood is is now at odds. And so the screen goes black to give us the indication of flashback. And we get more from Arislam narrating. And I will, because the script is so good, once again read directly from it. He says, Records of the hero Delita first appeared one year before the outbreak of the War of the Lions. So we've gone back in time one year. The loss of the Fifty Years' War saw knights returning from the front stripped of livelihood, their fealty to the crown and nobility abandoned. Many became rogues and traitors, men donning the thief's cloak and plotting treason against the crown. It was a time of great unrest for Iblis. Murder and theft were commonplace. Many were the young adventurer and mage who stepped forward to counter this threat. Of such, the city of Garland, too, saw its share. In other words, a big, long war ended. Mm-hmm. The land is in chaos. Yeah. And people either seem to be signing up on the side of chaos, break shit, steal shit, <laughs> down with everybody, or they're joining up to become adventurers and, and try to curtail the chaos. Yeah. I wonder, do we know who the Fifty Years' War was fought against? At this point, we don't. I I can't remember exactly how much detail we get on the previous war. I know we get some, but we'll have to pay attention to that as we go through, for sure. One one of the things I'm realizing as I'm trying to prepare for these episodes uh, is that as much as I love this game and this story, there's a lot that is unclear to me. 
And I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Like, I don't know, because really we focus on the story of Ramza and Delita, right? Like, I, I understand who they are and their motivations. But understanding the larger conflict is sometimes kind of difficult. And I wonder if that's on purpose or if I've just missed things and need to to become a better student of the of the War of the Lions, as it were. <laughs> Listen a little more closely to Professor Arislam. Yeah, maybe. I think there's a little bit of that. I will say, and we were kind of talking about this before we came on, there's you know, a lot of these big epic war and political machinations stories that I think do that part well and don't do the personal part well. And, you know, I think this is, if anything, the opposite. And I'm not saying, I think all the political machinations and war stuff, we'll get into it and, and it's really good and stuff. But like you just said, the through line is the personal, is the story of Ramza and Delita. And this story does that so well that I think it allows you to kind of forgive or, or that's the wrong way to put it. It almost doesn't matter whether or not you understand the full meaning behind everything and every different faction in the story, as long as you get the emotional through line. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm all on board with that. Uh, I do. I do worry sometimes though, like I'm the guy who, whenever there's some sort of confrontation, wonder what I did wrong. So, you know, in this, in that same regard, if I don't understand, you know, how to play Dissidia, I assume it's because I'm a bad gamer or if I can't remember all the details of the 50 years war or the war of the lions. Like I remember where this is going. Like I remember who's pulling the strings and all that, but some of this, yeah, some of the stuff around it, I, I would, I would like to do better but I'm not sure well, how much of that is on me and how much of that is on them. That'll be something we can find out as we go through and dive really deep into this, I think. So that'll be Excellent. good. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which is the end of the 50 Years War. Right. <laughs> so as our black screen and narration from our Islam fades away, we also get chapter one, The Meager which is a great title for a chapter, immediately invokes, for me, at least I would assume for a lot of people, and we've talked about the trouble with this phrase, the, quote, Western world of the Bible. Blessed are the meager, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, let's, let's get into that. Let's see whether or not that happens. Yeah, so here we are introduced, reintroduced, but <laughs> properly to now... Delita and Ramza, and they are clearly two cadets here at the Academy of Garland, hearing of some news that there's all of this stuff is going on, right? The chaos I was talking about. And Ramza asks a most prescient question, my dear brother. Mm -hmm. He says, I wonder where all this leads, Delita. Oh, what do you make of this? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And so they have this little back and forth. And Delita says that he believes that Duke Larg is coming to Garland. And if we're paying very close attention early on, we've gotten a sense, okay, Duke Larg and Duke Goltana, those are the people opposing each other. But we're, you really have to be reaching for it to have even gotten that yet. All you really know from this conversation is that these guys, uh, Delita and Ramza, are cadets in the noble order of the Northern Sky, as Agraeus mockingly called it in our cold open. And they believe that Duke Larg may be coming, along with the Marquis Elmdor de Limberry. I am using the Final Fantasy XII and traditional English pronunciation of Marquis as opposed to Marquis because I believe that's how it's supposed to be in this world. Yeah, I mean, the, the differences in pronunciation, I, th I think, uh, in the real world are about as much about whether you're mainland Europe or you're, or you're on the British Isles or you speak German or Italian or French or uh, any of the other dozen or so languages in the area. So, yeah, I, I, like the, uh, I just like the way Marquis sounds better than Marquis. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. And so... Because there is so much unrest and something called the Corpse Brigade 
has popped up. Essentially, a group of people who are down with the crown, down with the nobility, down with all this stuff, have decided to kind of create havoc and chaos. The Order of the Northern Sky has decided to try to recruit all of these cadets from the academy and basically make them go and take care of it. And so that is is basically the first task that we are given in this game. Ramza and Delita are a part of a unit that must go out and meet some members of this corpse brigade in battle and put down the rebellion, right? And I think it's worth emphasizing, which we'll get to more when we get to the fight, but it's most of the people who are part of this rebellion just came back from the 50 years war and are not being given what they were promised, right? Like they're not being paid. We put our lives on the line for this country, right? We're coming home. And what do we have? Nothing. So, so what else are they going to do? Yeah. Uh, like, like if you're going to survive, if you're not nobility, well, what do you do for money if all you know how to do is be a soldier? Right. And so without that knowledge necessarily in their heads, just doing what they were told and wanting to prove that they, you know, deserve to graduate the academy and be, they're, they're all knights apprentices are right. Delita and Ramza and these folks. And so they're sent out to the battlefield. And we get a line of dialogue from one of the the rogues, one of the members of the Corpse Brigade, which immediately gives you this sense of like, just the way they speak, it, it insists a kind of accent when you read it. It mm-hmm. says, what have we here? We Moppets, is it? Oh. Right. Moppets. Right. So they've got a, a thick accent. You're, you get the idea these people are, are not from money. And, and this guy's being pretty harsh. He's saying, cut through them. And he's excited they found young ones. Ooh, you know, kids straight out of the academy. Let's murder them. Like, this is perfect. He says, what a lucky day. Let's take out these noble brats. Yeah, and even though I'm not okay with murdering noble brats or or just about anybody else, like, they've got, they've been screwed by the nobility. It's an understandable position. We talked, I think, last episode about, like, I don't agree with a lot of things that happen in this story, like a lot of decisions made, but a lot of these folks have understandable positions. Yeah, we'll get deeper and deeper into that. Their understandable positions become much, much more understandable here quickly for now. And I remember playing this as a kid, not really getting that part as much. And one, I don't, again, this is why it's so important that the writing is so good in the War of the Lions translation, because, you know, when you're a kid and you think, well, my guys are the heroes, my guys are on the good side, right? These are, you know, kind of dirty, angry, vulgar people coming in and saying, let's kill children. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot more going on there, right? And if you're paying close attention, what happens next is a good indication that Ramza kind of sucks right now. We'll, we'll get yeah. into, we'll get into this, but here, here's, here's the first thing. So Delita on the battlefield gives Ramza a bit of advice, reminding him of some of their training. Ramza quips back, I'm heir to the noble house Beowulf. I I know what I'm doing out here. You know, I I know my way around a battlefield. But of course, his naivete, they they overhear him. They go, oh, highborn Moppets, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Highborn Moppets is still Moppets. And then Ramza... Screams back, I guess, over the battlefield. Lay down your arms or die clutching them. None will mourn your passing. Ugh, dude. Gross. Yeah. I I do think it is telling that he is willing to arrest them, I guess, rather than kill them if they lay down their arms. True. He does have honor and like there is that part of him. Unpacking this is going to be a big part of the whole story, right? Who Ramza is, but clearly he hasn't been raised to have any respect for the lowborn, despite the fact that his best friend. Right. Is. I mean, not entire. like it, it's it's complicated, right? And I my guess is that the the soldiers here of the Corpse Brigade have more than some experience you know, at the, the hands of the mercy of highborns, right? Because no way. I'm not going to your prison or your perhaps, you know, labor camp. Who, who knows what, right? Right. Uh, taken captive is not necessarily a better fate than being killed by young soldiers. 
Right. He's also probably right that in the grand scheme of things, nobody will mourn the passing of these rebels. And that's not Ugh. something to be proud of, dude. No. Uh, yeah. And he finishes with one final ignorant observation, does our hero Ramza. After you've won the battle and presumably killed all of these rebels, he says, honest work would have seen them die old and in bed. Yet they chose this early grave. Why persist in such folly? Like he does not get it. He's not just a noble, he's also a capitalist because <laughs> he thinks that they had the option. Like these people really just had the option to become shoemakers or bakers or <laughs> clothes makers. Like that's what they were going to do after fighting in a war for however many years and having nothing left and having experienced the things they have. So Ramza just does not get it at this point. Right. I, I feel like, especially at the end of the 50 years war, and we don't know that this war of succession is about to happen, but I, I feel like the, uh, the lower class has a better handle on the, these wars are never ending than someone like Ramza does. Right. So our heroes, again, I'm just going to keep using that word, are supposed to head for the city or township. It, it's difficult to <laughs> exactly what these are. They're, they're to head for Igros. Igros? Igrose? Igros is how I pronounce it. Uh, again, to bolster the numbers for the order of the northern sky. And on the road to Egros, Ramza has a memory. So technically, a flashback within a flashback. We're going to flashback all over the place. <laughs> and he says, that night, I dreamt of things long past. My lord father, Barbaneth Baelv, former commander of the Order of the Northern Sky, and a renowned hero of the Fifty Years' War. He had been bedridden. He was but a pale shadow of the man who once led countless legions into battle. I stood beside my lord brothers and younger sister, awaiting the end. So I, I do want to point out that uh, our hero's father was, you know, a, a fighting man like all the, basically all the other nobles in this story, and that. Uh, the whole family is meant to be, and I think you mentioned this last episode, uh, a leader of men, you know, warriors, knights. But what it means to be a knight is, I mean, we, we tend to think of the, the code of chivalry, right? And, and sort of this idealized romantic version, this sort of King Arthur-y version of, of what knighthood is meant to be. But I also think that is deliberately juxtaposed with all the ugliness that we just saw in this last battle and are going to see throughout the game. Right, right. It, it is a lot like House Stark in Game of Thrones. And this is our Eddard, you know, and it, it kind of doing exactly what you just said, describing what it what it really means to, to be a knight and what nobility, not nobility nobility but being noble and being honorable should mean in this world and so we're introduced here to Ramza's brothers and father and sister and it's, it's just a room bed in the middle of the room dad's in bed once news of the war Ugh. but yeah you get it you spent your whole life fighting it okay so Ramza's brothers Zalbog and Dice Dark. That's how I'm pronouncing the names. Me too. We're good? Okay. <laughs> yep. And they're giving their father the information he's asking for. They're giving him updates on the war. So-and-so has agreed to this proposal, and the order has struck a great blow, and we've reclaimed Limberry. And again, this is kind of like what you were getting back to earlier. Like, this is all probably important, and the politics of it are interesting, but... <laughs> we're, we're really getting introduced to the people here. And Barbaneth says, very good then, the war will die with me. 
which of course brings Alma, their sister, to tears. And this is a really beautiful scene. And, and Barbaneth says, you know, my dear, do you want my last memory to be of your tears? I really like that idea of a last memory, by the way. Like there's something, like what does it mean to be a memory of someone who's gone and not having memories? But just that turn of phrase, my last memory, really stuck with me this time. Anyway, and Ramza's not here, by the way. <laughs> right, yeah, that... That really struck me the first time uh, I was playing through. I was like, you know, this is his father. Where is he? What's going on? It's kind of strange. So we get a bit of exposition through dialogue. And Barbaneth says, Dystarg, Zalbog, you are both dear to me, but Ramza no less so, though he is not the issue of the womb that bore your, my sons, still my blood courses in his veins. So this is the first time we're actually being told that Ramza is a bastard by right. traditional definition. Right. Then Ramza bursts into the room, extremely emotional. Remember, like the two elder sons are like having a very like <laughs> calm, like political conversation. And Ramza just bursts in upset and they try to get him to calm down. His brothers do. But dad's just like, whatever. Ramza, let me look upon your face one more time and says a few final things to him that really are difficult to deal with in, in their entirety until we get through the entire story. Uh, but first, you know, he, he sort of does the thing. I, I, I see you, you're at the academy, so that's great. And, you know, I'm glad you're doing that. He says, and, and here, here it is. What does it mean to be a Beowulf? He says, hear me, Ramza, for generations... Beowulfs have stood foremost of those who serve the crown. Ours is of the soul of the knight. Become a knight worthy of your name. Tolerate no injustice. Stray not from the true path. You will know the path you must walk. A Beowulf can walk no other. And then Ramza does the, you know, I won't fail you, father thing. And then we get this last part. Your friend, Delita. He is a good boy. He is low-born, but he can serve you well. I've made arrangements for him to enter the academy. You should have seen the look on the headmaster's face. In the years ahead of you, you will need someone you can trust. You could do far worse than Delita. I guess there's not a whole lot of comment to make on that without ruining stuff. Yeah, I... I absolutely love Lord Father's dying speech here. I think it's great. We're, we are going to try to take things as they come, so we're not going to jump into too much analysis of what this means here. But a moment ago, you were saying Ramza hasn't really been educated very much on the realities of what it means to be lowborn. You called him a capitalist in that sneering way that I you did. and I have when we talk about <laughs> capitalism, right? Yeah, I did that. And, and that's, you know, because when... When you live in the, uh, you know, not in the upper echelons of things, it's easy to not understand how difficult it is to make it month to month. Yeah. But at the same time, Ramza does have some experience with lowborn people. One of his best friends, his brother in, in all but blood, is lowborn. I feel like uh, the Lord Father here is trying to make change from within. Like, not necessarily trying to turn all of Ivalis's class dynamics on their head, but he, he's been fighting for 50 years. Probably if he's 50 years old, right, then his, this war has been going on his entire life. He's struggled all this time, and he knows they're not really going to win, and he hopes the, door, the war dies with him. And maybe, just maybe, by sticking it to the headmaster and making sure that Delita is also admitted to the academy, even though he will be Ramza's aide, right? Ramza's backup, that yeah. he's making sure that people who are low born also have some kind of an opportunity. And I really like that about him. It is still from the sort of Carnegie on his on his deathbed, giving his money away, 
kind of thing. George Washington freeing his slaves after he dies. Sure, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not nothing, and I do appreciate it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and and especially, like you said, it's, you know, that that hoping that the next thing uh, can do it, that that it'll be the next generation. And, And he says this very final thing, the one last thing he says before presumably he dies, and he says to Ramza, take care of your sister, and show these brothers of yours what it is, what it is to be a knight. Yeah. Do you think that oh. Father Beowulf here knows what Dystarg and Zalbag are up to? He, he had to have known. Again, we don't want to give too much away. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do the story as it comes as much as we can. But yes, he clearly knew that they were not as pure of heart as his youngest, despite his bastardom, or maybe because of his bastardom. Maybe, yeah. So so that that's another thing, right? Like, Ramza should know better, not only because Delita is his best friend, but also because, uh, you know, he and his sister, uh, Ramza and, and his sister Alma, are half lowborn. Right. So back with young Ramza and Delita, as they make their way toward Igros, they come upon clearly a disaster. (laughs) Something bad has happened. There was an attack. There clearly a bunch of people are, are dead here. There's one young man about their age, as we'll very quickly learn, a cadet and a, a knight's apprentice, just like them who is being waylaid by some more of these corpse brigade dirty ruffians that we've been dealing with, right? And they're right, right. getting ready to kill this guy. Like they are Let him. make it I know. I know. This is maybe the worst <laughs> Do it. decision. Fuck this guy. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, you, you come upon a person in trouble as a final fantasy hero, outnumbered and about ready to be killed, and you save the person. Right. Right. Because like you said many, many episodes ago, what would a Final Fantasy character do? Whatever would get a start killed. And in yeah. this game it yeah. it actually happens out that way a lot of times. We do pay for the consequences. But our our heroes do the thing. They rush in and, and we win the battle, of course, on their behalf. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we save this young man who we come to learn is named in the War of the Lions translation, Argoth. In the one we played originally for the PS1, it was Algus. Right. They would be spelled exactly the same in Japanese, right. <laughs> as we've talked about right. before. So we probably should have done this earlier, but I want to jump in real quick and talk about the name Corpse Brigade. I think it's really interesting that the people who have just got finished fighting the 50 Years War and are saying to heck with the crown call are calling themselves the corpse brigade i think it is because and tell me i want to know what you think i think it is because they feel like they are dead already yeah yeah that that was always my interpretation of it as well that they were just the walking dead as it were but not zombies (laughs) right right and and we're proving them right like every time we come into contact with them right we fight and we kill them right so yeah i that is an interesting and I think understated choice of name. Yeah. So Argoth explains that he is a knight's apprentice of the Marquis Elmdor de Limberry. Remember, we were trying to make sure that that's who was protected. That we, 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 the Northern Sky works in part for that very person. And he's been kidnapped. That's what this attack was about. So Elmdor... The Marquis de Limberry has been kidnapped and his apprentice, Argoth, uh, we have just saved from certain death at the hands of the Corpse Brigade. And he basically goes about begging us to join him on, on a quest to save Elmdor, like by ourselves, I guess. As, as soon as he recognizes that Ramza is of House Baal. He essentially goes, oh, great. I've got an extraordinary warrior on my side. You're going to help me 
rescue the Marquis. And they say, well, you know, we've kind of already got our orders. We don't know where they took him. We're supposed to be going to Egros in order to meet up with the rest of the Order of the Northern Sky. And so they kind of agree that maybe those two things could work in tandem with each other and decide to head off that way to start with. But Argoth makes it absolutely clear that given any opportunity, he's going to try to rescue the Marquis. Like that, that's his only goal at this point. And our guys are like, well, you know, we'll help you if it's on the way. <laughs> right. And quite honestly, the first time I played this, I'm on uh, Argoth's side, right? It, yeah. it makes perfect sense that the person you're with, the person to whom you owe your allegiance, we should try to rescue him. Uh, and if this were any other Final Fantasy game, it would be, hey, we made a new friend. Of course, we'll help our new friend. But that's not really the way it goes in, in the world of Ivalis. Right. And they also, you know, really do make you feel for Argoth here. Like, he's getting his ass kicked. He's about to be killed. You know, nothing that he's said so far has been suspect. You know, and you, and you really do get a sense of... a. Uh, an honorable person here with an honorable goal in mind who has joined your team and, and wants to get something good done. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the gang arrives at Egros after, you know, fighting off some monster woodland critters and all that stuff on the way, like you might do. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially the reunion with brother Dystarg. So upon arriving at Egros, they are immediately taken to Dystarg, who appears to be in charge here. And he says, you know, I, I hear you won a great victory, Ramza. They're singing your praises from up on high. You honor our name, brother, and me, and, and all of this, you know, all that. Oh, good, I am glad. They're doing that thing. <laughs> right, right. We and need some smiles contrast. in this story, to be fair. Like, it's a right. little bit of hearty, hey, how are you? Big hug. I heard you kicked ass, brother. Like, we, we yeah. need one. We're in for a little bit of this. And, and and like you said, their language is stark contrast to the way the Corpse Brigade speaks. Right. Very highfalutin, right? So they're having a nice little time. And Argoth, who has, as the kids would say, absolutely no chill. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is where we uh-huh. really get the sense of this guy as a single-minded kind of psychopath, right? Like, Roms is having a nice little reunion with his brother. And then the brother brings up, okay, it sounds like the Marquis was kidnapped, but we've got word that he yet lives. And Argoth stands up. I beg of you, Lord Baal, lend me a hundred men that I might hunt the Horsons down. Ugh. Dude. <laughs> and, and, and the whole thing. But again, he's begging, please, my Lord, grant me the means to avenge my fallen friends. Like, he's been through an ordeal. All those people just died. He was one of them, almost one of them. <laughs> Should have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and Dystarg is like, dude, calm down. Actually, his way of saying calm down is, mayhap your ears fail you. I said that the squad is on its way to be dispatched. You are not a man of Galion. Leave her affairs to those of us who are. So he sort of pushes Argoth out of the conversation, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, and for all that I hate Argoth, I mean, he's as much a victim of all this as anybody. Right? He's he's highborn, but he's not as highborn as Ramza or or Dystar Gonzalbag. And it's... And he's getting pushed around here, too. And he almost died at the hands of these Corpse Brigade dudes. Right. So Dystarg just puts him in his place, says, Do not assume to beg favors of me. Let me remind you, Argoth, lest you forget your place. You are but another sword, not yet even knighted. That shuts him up. And then Dystarg turns to Ramza and Delita, says, The two of you will remain here at Egros and serve among the castle guard. You needn't worry. Danger is not likely to visit these walls. <laughs> Famous last words. Right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Next, we get a classic fantasy story scene. They did it a lot in Game of Thrones, so much it became famous and got into the South Park <laughs> version of it. We're going to take a walk through the gardens. Yeah, we like we always talk about, we need these quiet moments. 
between the lend me a hundred men and and <laughs> killing off the uh, the peasants. Yeah. We need quiet moments in the garden. So Ramza, Argoth, and Delita are just sort of walking through the garden, thinking and talking, and Argoth gives us his first like quiet moment of clarity where he explains, my house was once respected as high as House Beowulf, you know. At least until my grandfather was captured during the war, he turned a traitor, thinking to buy his freedom with the lives of his friends. But his freedom scarce outlived his honor. He was not a dozen paces out of their gate when the dagger found his back, killed by some common squire. No more a knight than I. One of the men he betrayed later escaped and spread word of his misdeeds. My lord father would have none of it, of course, but he was the only one. Our bannermen deserted us. Our reputation ruined. Sounds yeah. off. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we talked about legacy last episode, right? And and Ramza wants to uphold the legacy of Beowulf. Well, Argath wants to uphold the legacy of whatever his last name is. And, and so, or, or redeem the legacy, right? So being held victim to the sins of the father... Uh, you know, be, being held to to those, whatever those wrongs were, and trying to correct them can be, uh, be a rough way to live one's life. Yeah, and then you know how we talk about like, internalized misogyny, or sure. certain forms of internalized racism, where the really sad thing, where you sort of accept the worst prejudices of your own mind against yourself and Argoth says here I suppose I had best remember my place your lord brother has no reason to lend ear to the pleas from the likes of me like he's so classist he hates himself it's so it's so gross. He's such a well-written character, but there's a reason we hate this guy. We're trying to leave it off, right? He's still a good guy for or he's, he feels he's on our team for a, a bit longer and we use him in battle and stuff, but we've already talked about why we hate this character. <laughs> or that we hate. Right. Yeah. We haven't gotten well, to the why yet. In a way, like it's he's so eager to gain the favor of I'm using heavy air quotes here, his betters that he's willing to do some really awful things. Yeah. And to make up for what his his grandfather did? Like, dude, you don't have to make up for what your grandfather did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and why, you know, your your grandfather was captured in a war. Right? Like that what he did, we don't know the full details, but what he did isn't necessarily all that awful, you know? Tough to say because we don't know those details, but geez, there's a lot of suffering here built on the back of just earlier suffering. Right, right. That, like we talked about at the beginning, the legacy of the family as opposed to the legacy of the community, which he doesn't care at all about, just the family. So we're in desperate need of a little bit of lightheartedness when we hear a voice from off in the distance, yell out, Delita! We actually, we read it. We don't hear it. We, there's very little voice acting just in the cutscenes done in the War of the Lines. I put a couple of them in the first episode we did. I'll try to do that as much as possible. Uh, but we don't actually hear the voice. If we were watching the show or, or our reimagining of Final Fantasy Tactics, you would, you would hear it from off camera. And in my ears, it is the sweetest, most wonderful, most beautiful, happy, joyous, voice you've ever heard in your life <laughs> so good luck to whatever voice actor eventually would have to do that <laughs> and it's just a young woman's voice delita and delita actually has joy in his voice for maybe the first time in the, in the story yells back titra so then we are well introduced to you guessed it titra delita's sister and there's again a bunch there's the hugging and the Alma, Zalba, Gramza, you've come home. It's been so long. It's great to see you all. And, and now Zalbag is is here, and uh, Alma, Ramza's sister, is here. And so uh, there's just a whole bunch of family. We're having a nice little happy family 
reunion. And his other brother, Zaldog, begins exactly the way Dystarg did was, I heard about your victory in Garland. <laughs> what right. is it with you people? Well, because this it's whole country has been at war for 50 years. Right. Yeah, the whole family is about serving the crown and being a knight. And that means fighting. The whole the whole thing is about violence in defense of whatever. Yeah. Right? And and I'm all... For example, I love Aragorn. Aragorn is an amazing character. And he is, when he needs to be, extraordinarily violent. But dude also sings uh, at his own coronation. Right? Right, right. Uh, and I would have a hard time seeing Dystarg and or Zalbog singing. Uh, you know, sure. Because that would be beneath them. Uh, none of them would take the bard class, right? Right. And so it, it's almost like... Uh, not that I want to put jocks in the same category as as a, a family of soldiers and knights necessarily, but it's like I I this is the thing I understand, and because you are also a jock, congratulations on winning that race, or I was I was so happy to hear that you made the team or whatever, like it's it's a similar idea, right? Right. So that's exactly the contrast we're given here. Zalbog and Ramza immediately start talking about the war and Ramza's victory and father would be proud and hear, hear to the mighty hero, right? And Titra and Delita have a very different exchange. Yes. My brother, you look well. Sister, I, I've heard you'd settled in at school. Oh, yes, the others have been incredibly kind to me. Uh, I, I want to hear about your leisure he literally says, like, your leisure activities and, and, and these things that are going on. And uh, unfortunately, their happy conversation gets broken up again by <laughs> news about the war. But, right. yeah, that contrast is really great because he's just like, how are you in school? And she's like, you look well. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, we catch up in different ways. Yeah. And and in a world where that's all one knows, where, where war is all one knows, like I don't want to look down necessarily on the Beowulfs for for going there first. Sure, no, it's it, like you said, it's just a contrast, right? But it is an interesting one as we dive deeper into the differences between, and we're really about Zalbog's about to give a speech on the aristocracy and the not. So Zalbog breaks up the kind of happy reunion a bit by saying, we received a note of ransom from the Corpse Brigade. <laughs> to which, of course, Argot has to scream out, what? Like, dude. <laughs> Again, no chill. Yeah. Yeah. This is what you wanted, man. Right. <laughs> then Zalbog says this, and this is great because it shows that he's smart and also that he's deepening the themes that we're talking about here. Something about this sits unwell with me, he says. They are anarchists, to be sure, bent on bringing down the aristocracy, but they fancy themselves righteous and prey only on the nobility and only those in our employ. Would such as they truly kidnap the Marquis for want of coin? So I love that he recognizes that even though these people are my enemy and even though we're looking down on them and they're targeting me specifically, that... A note of ransom, they don't seem to be after money. This isn't consistent. They they believe their cause to be righteous. And then he recognizes that, I think, is interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Because for one thing, it shows that they're smart, right? Like they think about the motivations of their enemies because that's just another way to know the enemy, right? That's another way to win the war. Uh, so yeah, so knowing that something is up here, and that it might be uh, exploitable is interesting. So Zalbog, I, I guess, kind of undercutting his brother a little bit here uh, because Dystarg had, uh -huh. had placed them on Castle Guard and Zalbog basically says, hey, you know, they were last seen at this city. It's a merchant city called Dorder, a little bit east of here. And, you know, guarding a castle can be dreadfully dull. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yeah so th that's interesting too because on the one hand Dystarg the the eldest of the Beowulf brothers is in charge right he is Lord Beowulf now right Zalbag the the slightly younger brother but still true born right uh, non-bastard brother is like well maybe I get to be the mischievous one and, and if 
you know, any other Final Fantasy game, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to be the heroes. We're going to go do the heroic thing. And we're going to, and you know what? Uh, Dice Stark is going to appreciate it once he knows that we've gone out and done the heroic thing. Uh, so it's still playing on some of those heroic expectations. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Delita even gets to give a, you know, forgive us, Titra, but it, it seems we must part sooner than we had planned. And she says, don't worry, just take care of yourself. They do a big hug. He tells her, mind your studies. Again, they go kind of back to their smaller conversation. Uh, and he says, I'll, I'll be back before you even notice, right? So Delita, Titra, and Argoth sort of leave the situation. And now Ramza has a moment alone with his sister. And we haven't seen this dynamic at play yet. And Alma, the only woman in this house of proud... <laughs> men of here here mighty battle win you know she she says to Ramza Titra puts on a brave face but the truth is not as honeyed as her words and Ramza says what do you mean and she says she's had a hard time of it at school the others do tease her for being lowborn and I think that's great because Alma is commenting on something that Titra brought up without prompting. She said, oh, everyone's so great to me here. Probably because she knew that Delita would expect that they wouldn't be. Because they're not. Because that's not who these people are. Right. So so she's protecting him in a way. She's he's protecting got enough to deal brother. That's right. Yeah. He's got plenty to deal with. He's fighting a war. My problems are minor in comparison. Plus, at least I've got Alma, right? Like, they, they right. Delita and Titra aren't part of the Bale family, but Ramza and Alma kind of treat them like they are. For right. all that, Ramza can be kind of snooty about, you know, these peasants could have been shoemakers or whatever, and right. they chose to die by my sword. He loves Delita and and Titra as much as he loves Alma, and for whatever reason, his older brothers. So. Yeah, that she feels like she needs to protect Delita is is interesting. And then Alma gives voice to something you were just getting into. She says, forgive me, I shouldn't have said anything. I'm sure you have worries enough of your own. Titra will be all right. I'm here to look after her. But... This is so heartbreaking because this is the idea, right? We, She's just having a hard time at school. You're out fighting a war and doing politics and important things. And I'm sorry I even brought it up. But no, these things matter. Right. If, if, if this problem didn't exist here at home, we wouldn't have the Corpse Brigade, right? right. Like if we took care of everybody in our community or, or if we're, uh, you know, assuming that the the responsibility of nobility is a real thing that nobility could actually do. Like if they took care of their people, even in so small as stopping bullying at school, then we would probably be a stronger society. But because that's not how this society looks at things, the problems persist. They, they feed themselves. Yeah. And Ramza tells Alma, you know, that's all great, but you also... Take care of yourself. Mind your own limits. You can't be responsible for everything. And Alma quips right back at him. She says, says the brother who never fails to do any and all that is expected of him. Don't lose sight of yourself, Ramza. You needn't let your life be ruled by the fact that you were born a Beowulf. Nice. And then Ramza replies, now... You're starting to sound like mother. Yeah. Um, we don't man. get a lot from. We don't get a lot from their mom. mother. No. But that just that in and of itself, that idea that, again, we were just talking about how Argoth is ruled entirely by his family legacy, by what he's supposed to be. And in a lot of ways, so is Ramza. Just it, it's a little more pure and honorable <laughs> what he's supposed to be, right? Or, or what the reputation is at the very least. And now we're getting this other perspective from inside his own family, from his sister, sounding like his mother, apparently, saying, 
you don't have to just be this. There are other kinds of legacy. And that's going to be so important for him and actually for everybody. <laughs> oh, God, this is such a beautifully told story. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. There is potential to... We kind of talked about this in some of our episodes about Cagliostro, where there's potential to see uh, Prin- Princess uh, Clarice as nothing but a damsel in distress. There's potential to see nothing, or to see uh, Alma and Titra as nothing but damsels in distress uh, of a sort, right? But they're not without their own wisdom and agency and and gumption, right? They don't just sit idly by. And Alma here, trying to get. Ramza to be the hero he thinks he should be, to stick to his own morals, to, to or to to even understand that what he's being pushed toward is is not necessarily what he wants. Even just that realization, getting someone to realize that is a is a heroic effort in itself. Yeah, and in a world where saying the wrong thing or believing the wrong thing can get you executed pretty damn quickly. Essentially suggesting, not just saying to somebody, you don't have to follow the legacy of your house or your family, but you don't have to do that when that would mean a certain kind of treason. No, she's not saying betray the family. Do it, Ramza, betray the family. But, <laughs> you know, right? Those that's, it's a dangerous idea in these types of worlds to not show absolute 100% loyalty to either your family or the crown. And there's a reason why that holds a certain kind of power over people. And as we're going to go through in this story, when you start to break out from underneath that idea, well, a lot of different things can happen and two very similar people can end up going two very different directions. 